right, guys. Oh my God, sorry, I was yawning. Hi, guys. I'm Emma. And I'm Amanda. And this is X slash C cross generational cultural discourse. And today, for the second time, guys, we already recorded this. So if we sound kind of um, angrier than usual, that's why <laughs> our audio, our is audio corrupted. didn't work. But for the second time, we are talking about succession succession um and mom is so kindly going to be giving us a little bit of background on the show yes so succession is on hbo max um it is a show that was created by jesse armstrong who is a British showrunner. Um, if you have watched a lot of British television, as I have, you might be familiar with his work on In the Thick of It um, and In the Loop. Uh, and uh, so he has this kind of satirical, jaundiced view, I think, along with the person he worked with on his previous series, Armand Iannucci. Um, and so he's, he is, uh, the tone of this show is something to behold um, because it takes a little while to acclimatize yourself as to what it's doing. But once you get in there, you're just like, you're laughing sometimes and just really laughing. And there have been moments where Emma and I have actually wept because it, we're so emotionally involved, even though straight up everybody in the show are horrible people. Yep. The show is about, um, it's kind of a thinly veiled Rupert, Rupert Murdoch, right? So it's this media scion um, who also has these a finger in these different industries, in this case, a cruise line um, uh, and amusement parks. And so he has this big media conglomerate, which is where he made his money, but then he branched out into these other entertainment it's venues. It's called Royco. And it's called guy, Waystar Royco. The main guy is Logan Roy. Yes, Logan Roy is the person in charge. And when the series opens, um, Logan Roy, uh, is having a health crisis. There's there's this question about who will succeed him. Um, the other thing to know about this show, I mentioned the tone, but it also, the word that's been bandied about a lot about the series is Shakespearean. And I think it's actually um, true that... <laughs> I think that's kind of a word that's like kind of thrown around a lot. To and overused. Stuff. Yeah, but I genuinely do think that this can be called Shakespearean. Yeah, and it's not, in terms of the structure, in terms of characterization, and these questions of who's going to succeed the king. That's like is, very Shakespearean. It's very <laughs> Shakespearean, for sure. So, I mean, think Hamlet, think any of the history plays. A lot of them have to do with this question of succession. succession. Um, and and people doing all kinds of, in some cases, really quite horrible things in order to grab for power. And that's what the show is about. So at the beginning of the series, um, in the first season, Logan Roy is having a health crisis. He has a stroke quite early on in the series, and he's also quite elderly, honestly. Um, Logan Roy is played by the actor uh, Brian Cox, who's just a veteran actor and is a Shakespearean actor, um, has lots of stage experience, as do many of the people in this series. It's a lot of New York-based actors who who are known a lot for their stage work who end up in the show. So the quality of acting is quite high. Um, there are a few exceptions to that rule, like the actress who plays Siobhan is this Australian, I believe. But they're all good. They're, they're really all good. really good. The acting in this is excellent. So anyway, uh, Brian Cox plays the role of Logan Roy. And then there's this question of who will succeed him. So I think what we're going to do next is we're going to talk a little bit about each of the siblings um, oh, the by Roy the way, siblings. this is going to be very spoilery, just so you know. Um, we're not going to hold back. So if you haven't watched it or if, I don't know, you don't want to hear any of this because it's painful, um, <laughs> then you don't have to listen. But uh, I really like listening to spoilers, so 
I don't know, stick around, whatever. You do you. Uh, make your own decisions. But yeah, yes. we're going to talk about, um, in all the spoilery, spoiler ways, <laughs> that was bad. <laughs> in all the spoilery ways, we're going to talk about the uh, the story the arcs boys. for the first and second season. And also the siblings who are vying for power. Um, there's little bits of King Lear in here too, as you might imagine, with this kind of aging patriarch and um, his relationship with his children. In this case, a seriously dysfunctional relationship. But we should with his talk children. about Logan Roy a little bit more before we delve into the kids, because all the kids are incredibly damaged people because of Logan Roy. They're yeah. all. They're all like adults, but they're children, you know, because they just had a very incompetent well, father figure. You know, he was emotionally abusive, clearly, maybe even possibly a little bit physically abusive. But we'll talk about that in a bit more detail later. Um, but he was, by all means, not a good father, but he is a really good CEO. Is he morally corrupt? Yes. Is he potentially, I wouldn't say he's a sociopath, but he'll do whatever it takes. I mean, he's kind of He'll even himself. sabotage his children and uh, just F them over. Yeah. Um, if it means that he can, because the thing about Logan Roy is that he does not want to cede power. <laughs> he is very resistant to that. Even um, when he's really ill, he comes into work, he's like, even though he's like hobbling around and like just not really recovered. not doing well. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, he is just very resistant to seating power. Yeah. And in the first series, he's really close with his wife, Marsha. Um, when he has the stroke, Marsha kind of steps in and protects him from his children in a Who way. Who she sees as like kind of like Klein for his spot. Yeah, and so she wants to protect him and she's the confidant. She knows a lot about Logan Roy. And she's a very mysterious figure throughout the entire show. Like you never truly really know what she's doing or what her kind of motivations are. She kind of seems to the kids as kind of like a trophy wife type sitch. But then you kind of learn she like genuinely really cares for this man. But And she isn't a trophy wife because she's age appropriate for and Logan she's Roy. she's very intelligent. And she's uh, like, well. You yeah. find out that Logan Roy likes strong women. Yeah, because it's like a history of this. He, yeah. yeah um, er, she's in, his third wife. Yeah. and And he tends to like strong women although his first wife i think ended up in a mental hospital didn't she that's very implied we'll probably find more about that in the third yeah. season which come which is coming out on hbo max this fall this so fall. we're doing this just in time so anyway marcia kind of serves as a confidant a protector in a sense against the children who she views as kind of being power grubbing the relationship between logan and marcia falls apart in the second season because um, in a couple of key moments, Logan confide, confides in his children over Marsha. And he also engages in an affair. And, and so well, an emotional affair. I think he does sleep with her. No, he doesn't. I thought he did. No. Uh. I don't think so. I think it was just an emotional affair. Um, well, in any case, she felt, regardless of if they slept together or not, his wife, Marcia, felt as if it was a, it was a betrayal. And, and so they are, by the end of the second season, their relationship has fallen apart. But there are these moments where you see Logan Roy in the first season, particularly with Marcia, and you see his vulnerability. Um, there's a moment where he's stepping out of, he's been swimming in a swimming pool and he steps out of the swimming pool and you see that there are all of these scars on his back. And so it's clear that at some point in his background, he had a really rough time of it and was probably abused by his father. And then abuse? he's passing down some of this damage to his own children. Yep. And we'll return to that point in a minute because he does engage in emotionally abusive behavior with his kids and in one key moment with one of his children well let's just talk about it right now. okay Be let's move on to roman roy let's talk a little bit about who this guy is at first i really like this character i don't like him as a person he's a terrible person like objectively he's one of the siblings really he's bad person for power. 
so basically, the three siblings are Kendall. Uh, no, no, there's four siblings. I'm sorry. I always forget about Connor. Um, we can just briefly talk about Connor just now. Connor is pretty simple. He's kind of in the in the background for a lot of this. He's uh, he very much mooches off of his dad's money. He doesn't really have a job. He just kind of hangs out on his uh, Arizona. Is it Arizona? I think it might be New Mexico or, or New something. Mexico estate. Um, his ranch. With, uh, you know, he's bought everything in his life. Everything is transactional yeah. with him. He's never kind of held down a proper job. He's not at all interested in taking over the family business, but he is interested for a little bit in being president, which is this completely ridiculous plan because he has no skills and no competence. Although, you know, who knows? Sometimes these things happen anyway, if you have enough money. But um, anyway, clearly uh Connor Roy um is 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 has has been deformed by having all of this privilege and money and you also meet his partner Willa who you find out was a sex worker who then he's basically hired to be his companion and she sticks around even though it's quite clear that she finds him loathsome she sticks around because he's bankrolling her well, attempts to get they a play have a off kind the of ground. Complicated relationship. Like there's sometimes like where she defends him when he's not there. I mean, it, they have a kind of complicated relationship, but he's still paying her to be there, which is not a good foundation for a relationship. Surprise, surprise. But anyway, so that's Connor Roy. He's the oldest child. Then under him is Kendall, who will who will get to last. Kendall is an amazing character. Um, Roman Roy. And Kendall's the one that is the heir presumptive when yeah, the series but, begins. But we'll talk, but we'll about, talk about him we'll later. About we want to save him. We want to save him because he is really, that main conflict between Kendall and Logan is kind of the crux of the show. Um, but um, anyway, so it's, it's Connor, Kendall, Roman, and Shiv, Siobhan. Um, but her nickname's Shiv, haha, <laughs> like a knife. <laughs> and she is pretty um, sharp. She's and we'll pretty talk sharp. about that. Uh, and Roman and Shiv are twins, but they're, and they're the youngest. Um, but Rome is, um, he's a terrible person, like objectively bad person, because, I mean, I'll kind of take from kind of uh, what Karsten Rundquist in his video on succession, it's on YouTube, you can probably search it up. He very aptly pointed out that Rome is the type of person, and this is what makes him such a bad person. He um, is both incredibly self-aware of his privilege. He knows that he's in a position of wealth and that he can use that to manipulate others. He's not kind of shut off to that fact. He's not clueless to that. But at the same time, he abuses his wealth anyway. And that makes him an objectively bad person, um, being He's aware and abusing your power anyway. So there's a great example of this towards the beginning of the first season. It might even be in the first it's episode. The pilot. Yeah. I think. Where it they're having, uh, um, they're, ha they're doing some kind of baseball game or whatever. And uh, there's this kid and Roman invites this kid to play with them, this little kid. Um, and he says, if he can hit a home run, then he will give this kid like a million or a couple million dollars. And he actually writes out the check and this money would be transformative for this family. They're um, more clearly. Yeah, they clearly don't have a lot um, or it's kind of signaled to the viewer that they don't have a lot. And it's clearly like something would be a transformative thing for them. And it's nothing to Roman. It's nothing to Roman. It's just him in this case being like a sadist. So he kind of, you know, this kid really tries hard and he doesn't quite make it. And I was like, oh, too bad. And he rips up the check. Right and then, in front of his face. It's crazy. Bad. Right. And then you see you know, the NDAs coming out and, you know. And Logan goes and apologizes for his son's behavior. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a very strange moment for Logan, honestly, but. Yeah. It's, it's, um, the NDAs are flying. Uh, they kind of give the family a little bit of moolah. Yeah. I mean, they, they basically just want to make it go away. Um, it, it is a masterful moment and kind of setting up 
what this, this family is, is who this family is and what they can get away with which is basically anything they want because they have such immense power and privilege and that's really deformed roman in a way too he's never grown up he's kind of a man child and uh, you yeah which makes him hilarious yeah in a lot of different ways and even though he's a terrible person he's one of the funniest characters he is very funny but he also because of this kind of stunted maturity or whatever um he's he too is not able to have um connections connections or genuine ways. connections with people now you know you see him engaging in these relationships with women that are pretty transactional. And then you find out a little bit into it that into the series that he doesn't actually really have sex with these women, that he likes the emotional relationship that and he has he, like, with them. He asks these women all the time, like a couple weeks into their relationship because he gets attached pretty easily. Honestly, um, when he finds like a good person, he like has asked so many women to marry him and they're, they just all see it as kind of like a joke. Yeah, but I think he's being genuine. He might be being genuine that he really he just does likes emotional connection in that way, but yeah. he does not like having sex. So, As, like we were talking to each other and we were like, "Well, is he asexual? Is he asexual? Maybe he's like not entirely Maybe he's straight. closeted. Like, what's gay what's person? going on? What's going yeah. on? And then a little, a little. Oh my god, it's glorious! This is one of my favorite subplots. It is one of my favorite subplots too. Um, it's fabulous. It's so good. So you find out that the very specific conditions that Roman enjoys <laughs> Roman having enjoys sexual interaction is when he's being degraded and um, put down by an older woman quote-unquote mommy type sitch yes and luckily he's found a person who's completely willing to do that. willing to do this for him her name is jerry and she's the general counsel for waystar royco um and she is a great character so she basically has a friendship with roman quite a close friendship yeah um at one point in season she's actually two, his godmother yeah and at one point in season two they kind of are plotting maybe to take over the company themselves. And he asks her to marry him, but she doesn't necessarily think he's serious. And, and he says, I'll be like the rock star, like Mick Jagger, and you can be like the mole woman because no one will pay attention to you or something. I mean, uh, it, it, the, it, the rock star and the mole woman. It's so funny. And she's just like, what? But he really enjoys her talking down to him, calling him a worm, whatever. So and then he goes now. and like pleasures himself. So they oh have God. like this really, and she kind of enjoys doing it because it kind of gives her power over him when yes. in fact... He's he has power total power over her. over her because it's his family that and employs her. And it's just her. such a wonderful power switch. Like, yeah, it's lovely. Uh, it's so and good. she does genuinely care about him. But there's moments where Roman actually just talks about it blatantly. Like after their first sexual engagement, he's out at this he's buffet line and, and, or like, you know, they're getting breakfast or whatever. And someone asked him what he did last night and he tells them, he's like, Oh yeah, well I was jacking off in the bathroom while Jerry was like <laughs> saying stuff to me. And he was like, Oh Roman, but because, he was telling the truth. Yeah, because it's like <laughs> such a Roman thing to say, cause it's crude and it's like, that's just the kind of person that he is. It, it's just so, such an interesting character dynamic. I really enjoy it a lot. Um, it's probably one of my favorite side plots beyond like the. Um, it, there it are takes, others that are great. It takes a lot of Greg's to make a Tomlet. That's all I'll say for now. Yeah. Um, we'll talk about that later. But next, let's talk a little bit about Siobhan, um, who is the kind of, the only daughter in the family and is probably the most competent i mean she's honestly my pick for the successor i think that she's the most um because i think that she has the ability to be the most cutthroat they i kind think of she's realize, a sociopath they kind has of sociopathic they qualities. kind of realize later on that i mean roman he's kind of like he's super lazy he doesn't want to do any real work but he also wants to be in power at the same time and 
you know, it takes him kind of a bit to figure out, like, where he kind of works in the company. Um, he's, like, and he, Roman, particularly, he's cutthroat, like a CEO would need to be, but I just don't think that he's smart enough to do that. That's why the team-up between Roman and Jerry could work. As a, That's why, like, this show is so good. You never know what's going to happen next. You don't know if Jerry and Roman are going to be the CEO. You don't know if Shiv's going to be the CEO with kind of Tom backing her up. You don't know Tom is her happen. husband. Tom's her husband. Um, you just don't know what's going to happen because there's a lot of possibilities for who could be a good leader because Jerry kind of makes up what Roman doesn't have because she's really intelligent. Um, but he has the kind of charisma um, and the cutthroatedness. He and he's afraid. a Roy, so he has, like, yeah. the dynastic right um, or whatever. But Shiv is – she's super cutthroat and she's intelligent. So yes. she would be everything kind of wrapped up in one. That's why she's my personal – yeah, I guess. And so and just I want to talk about this moment that exemplifies Siobhan's kind of cutthroat nature, which yeah, is sure. when so in season two, you find out that there um, I mentioned the cruise line and you find out that like there was this big scandal with the cruise line. They paid a bunch of women hush money because they were getting raped and in some cases maybe killed and all this other stuff was really bad criminal activity was going on that was then hushed up in the 90s. And this woman was prepared to whistleblow and like reveal all of the skeletons in the cruise lines closet. And Siobhan goes, well, Siobhan is asked to go in like this very, I mean, because she's a woman, she's asked to go and talk this woman down. Yes. And so she goes and talks this woman down. And well, does and it. she's, and she's aware that she's only been asked to do this because she's a woman. Yeah. Yeah. And she does it also because her dad at this point in season two, her dad basically dangles the possibility of her being his successor because we'll he talk too, a bit more about that after. Yeah. You he too sees that she has these qualities that are necessary. So she goes to this woman and she basically says to her, look, I understand that you want to do this. I'm a woman too. So she kind of establishes this empathy with her and is like, but if you do this, your life will be destroyed because this is all anybody will ever remember about you is like that you were the whistleblower on this and it will make your life miserable. And as we've seen in real life with women who've been whistleblowers, it does make their life miserable frequently and they don't get the results that they should get. Um, and people still get away with stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that in this case, you know, Siobhan is behaving in this way that she'll just do anything to get the result that she wants. Um, she is pretty cutthroat. Like, I think, the, I think that the creator said about that scene, like, Siobhan had, like, kind of, she'd already reconciled it with herself. Like, she'd already been like, yes, I've been asked to do this because I've, I was a woman, but it's for the best of the company yes it's good it, for the company it's good for the company and she can and kind we'll of reconcile it. that with herself in a way that kendall in particular cannot but we'll talk about that later let's for talk now, about her and tom too. wait no but for now let's okay. talk we could talk about her and Tom. but i just also kind of want to talk about how she is like kind of cracking under the pressure in a lot of ways because the thing about logan roy is that Throughout the two seasons we have so far, he dangles the prospect of the succession over all of his kids' kind of heads and over, like, some outsiders' heads. He kind of dangles the prospect in front of these people. And because their entire life they've been put in this position where they want so desperately to impress their father, they're kind of – they crack under the pressure every time that it's, like, kind of dangled in front of them because it's so easy for them to mess up in front of him because he has such a high bar of excellence that they can never live up to, but that they so desperately want to because they just want their dad to be proud of them. So they're just, so Shiv, def this definitely happens to Shiv and it happens to the rest of the kids, but in Shiv, especially in the second season, you know, she's like kind of, he when he dangles this in front of her head, like there's a couple scenes where she just is kind of, she does really she stupid does really, stuff. really, really dumb, out-of-character things. Because usually she's incredibly careful. She's incredibly guarded. She's the one who's always, like, kind of laughing at her two, at her, like, three brothers, like, effing up in front of Logan. 
But now she's the one who effed up and it feels absolutely terrible. And she panics. Yeah. Um, and it's it's so interesting because she's put in this very new position because of this power that's being dangled in front of her. Yeah. Because Shiv has always been the kind of kid. Shiv in season two is very in a very different position from Shiv in season one because she's had this power kind of dangled in front of her head. And now she has this new invigorated because because she purposely took herself away from the company and was being like a political advisor type person to a bernie sanders to a, she was a liberal like a straight up liberal which is like totally to get at her dad because as mentioned her dad's like running and this so kind of thinly veiled fox <laughs> news outlet yeah and so clearly she was like trying to be like the the kid who didn't care what he thought and and in doing that, she kind of secured her position as his favorite kid. Yeah. Um, but then in the second season, when she gets this power dangled in front of her nose and she's kind of brought into the company more, the toxicity of this situation starts to get to her and she starts to mess up more because that's what happens when you try to get the top spot. I mean, you just see it over and over again. These people just like doing these terrible self-destructive things to try to impress Logan or just doing these like morally bankrupt things to try to get the top spot and you just think to yourself like why would anyone want the top spot um yeah it's, that's like the real question well unless you're a you're sociopath willing to sell and you're your willing soul. to like sell your soul to the devil almost to do to this logan roy the devil yeah but he's complicated but nonetheless yes so siobhan is probably the most competent option but um she also does crack under pressure i wanted to mention quickly her relationship with tom because <gasps> we're going to talk about tom here In soon a minute, yeah. so tom is um siobhan's boyfriend at the beginning of the show and then they later get married at the, end of, at the end of season one and tom is a guy who does not come from a lot of money well, so he comes from money but not as much as not to the extent that siobhan has it and the roy family has it and so tom is the butt of every joke in this family he is the butt of every joke and he just is constantly trying to kind of um, fit in and equal the playing field. and curry favor with Logan Roy. He doesn't think much of him. Um, Shiv does genuinely have a connection with him, but just to kind of give you a sense of who Shiv is, they get married and on their wedding day, she basically says to him, I want to have an open marriage. And Tom is not down with that. But if he says or protests in any way, his gravy train will be cut off, and he started working for Waystar Royco. And, and very, very, very um, uh, uh, on purpose, there is no clause in their prenup for um, for extramarital affairs. So. Yep. Yep. So, and she's already having one by the time they get married because she's sleeping with a fellow political operative behind Tom's back. Um, and so she, in a sense, does this to kind of assuage whatever guilt she has because she's sleeping around. She's like, well, if Tom sleeps around too, then it's not so bad. But Tom doesn't want to sleep around. And she doesn't want Tom to sleep around. No, she wants to have the right to do it. But if the thought of him doing it really does infuriate her. So she is... She uh, is... A very complicated and She's somewhat not a good person. <laughs> unpleasant character. Um, but so Tom, let's talk about Tom. The husband <laughs> is also not a great person either. Um, and so uh, Tom, he starts off uh, kind of working for Waystar Royco. He gets a job with this company. Um, well, he doesn't exactly get a job. He, he kinda, gets it through Siobhan. Well, he he gets like a higher position in the company because I think he used to work in the theme parks. But now he's very plot relevantly. He's working for um, the cruise division. Yes. So he works for the cruise division. And we already mentioned or alluded to the fact that there was this very whole... scandalous murder, rape, terrible stuff happening on and it's because this guy who used to be in charge of the 
cruise division was a guy that they all called Mo. Well, no, he wasn't in charge of the cruise division, I don't think. Yes, he was. He was. I thought he just went on a lot of cruises. No, I, he was in charge <laughs> of the cruise division. His name, they all called him Mo, but his real name was Lester. And it was a widely known fact that this guy was sexually harassing, like, all the women on these cruise ships. Mo Lester. Mo Lester. And so... And, and basically, it was all covered up. Logan knew about it because he was friends with Lester. He didn't like Lester's behavior, but um, they covered it up. And so um, basically, Tom, when he gets into the job of being in charge of uh, the, the cruise division, the previous guy who was in charge of it kind of says to him, there's a nuclear bomb here. It is bad. It's really bad. And so he basically just writes something down. He's like, I don't even want to say anything about this. That he like writes down like the files that have this evidence. And he's like, you need to get rid of this immediately or else. Well, he's like, you do what you want to do. You can either get rid of this, like just burn the evidence because it's all here. We have it all. And it's like this ticking time bomb waiting to explode because all these women we paid off, they like, we paid them off. They're, they're, they're all on NDAs, but it's still this keg that's like about to explode. Um, or you can uh, play the dummy and just pretend that you don't know anything about it when this powder keg explodes. And Tom... He goes chooses. to Kendall. He goes actually. to Kendall. Yes, and this shows the lovely, lovely power dynamics of the show in full throttle. Like we said before, Tom is very much the family. Every single person in the family, even Shiv, makes fun of him. He's like under them, you know. He is. He it's, has it to subordinate family, himself. Tom. He has to subordinate himself to in him. order to like have the money and power and privilege. Yes. Yeah. So he goes up to Kendall. He's like, "Hey, Ken." If something really bad happened, would you want to know about it? And Ken's like, no, I wouldn't want to know about it. You because, take Because, you know what, the, uh, my dad always told me that, like, the best guys in the company were the ones who covered up the crazy stuff that... Clean up the messes. Clean up the messes and that I never had to know about. Sorry, so clean our cat up. is, like, going crazy right now. <laughs> so clean up the messes. And so then... <clears throat> Tom decides he will go and clean up the mess. Well, Tom, Tom uh, doesn't exactly decide that he'll clean up the mess. He, Tom, has created a, a, his own subordinate. Uh, there is this, so basically Greg is a cousin of the Roy family. He's Logan's uh, great nephew. Uh, his grandfather is Logan's brother. And he starts out the <laughs> he starts out the show by puking in the um, in his guts out inside of a uh, Waystar Royco like mascot costume. mascot costume because he was smoking weed before he so like... Greg is just Greg is supposed to be the audience relatability character you know he's kind of he's more down to earth than the rest of them. He has morals, like actual morals. Some of the kind other characters of. do. Yeah. Um, as the show goes on, he kind of loses some of those morals. But um, he, uh, you know, he's like, he, I love Greg. I don't even know what to say about well, that. He's, it, he's lovely. Yeah, and he's he's he played by this actor. He, he Nicholas Brown. Yeah. He, he instantly makes awkward like any scene that he's in because he's like six seven. He's six seven. He kind of like has to cower over to talk to any of the other people. He's just taller than everyone, but he doesn't use it to like make him I mean, it's a perfect analogy for his character, right? Like, he was born into wealth and he was born into power, but he... Not enough. Of, but, well, not enough. And also, with what he has, he kind of just... He cowers himself down to make himself... Uh, subordinate subordinate to other people because he doesn't mind being subordinate. So even though he has all this height, even though he has all this wealth... Well, him, not him personally, but his kind of side of the family... He's actually completely broke when we first meet him. That's why he needs a job from Logan. 
And that's why he shows up in the show in the first place to ask for a job. So he has he's still privilege, like he still not lowers enough. himself, and he still you know he's okay with lowering himself, and he he's super awkward, super funny, uh, and um, and he lowers himself to Tom, and, and he lowers Tom himself to Tom. Loves it. Tom loves having someone under him, especially someone in the family. And this plays out in so many different ways. So when Tom first meets Greg. One of the first things he says to him is, can I kiss you? And so he uses Tom. There's no evidence necessarily that he's gay, but they queer code the relationship between Tom and Greg because Tom uses kind of sexual humiliation in a way as a weapon against yeah, Greg. in some ways, yeah. Like he likes to make him feel uncomfortable. Like he's being kind of... Yeah, he likes to make him feel like uncomfortable in a bunch of different ways. Um, but there's like, yeah, but basically, uh, Greg is like under Tom in a lot he's of He's his assistant. Ways. He's, he's Tom's his assistant. assistant, personal assistant, kind of whipping boy, you know, he's like. And sometimes literally, sometimes Tom, in addition to kind of making these weird sexually <laughs> Sorry, harassing. Sorry, is like climbing all over everything. <laughs> I know, she wants to be on the podcast too. Um, in addition to making these kind of sexually harassing comments to Greg, um, Tom also like sometimes is kind of physical with him as well. well like, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. What we will talk about right now is how Tom, uh, basically Tom is like, okay, I'll just have Greg. Greg. Do this. And so he's like, hey, Greg, hey, Greg, do me a solid. He actually sends him, um, how many emails? So many. No, emails. no, it's not. It, yes, he sends him a bunch of emails, like sixty-seven emails that with the same with the same line up at the front that says, "You gotta break a couple of Gregs if you want to make a Tomlet," which is hilarious, objectively, just so funny. Oh my goodness! It is gracious, Lily. Baby. It's very <laughs> hilarious. That's our cat. Um, and uh. So Greg goes into the Greg office into on the, the weekend, office on the weekend to, to shred, to all, the shred all the evidence. But Greg is smarter than Tom thinks he is. And because just because he lowers himself doesn't mean that he's not intelligent in some ways. Some very particular ways, let's say. Self-preservation. Socially, socially is a thing. he is socially, he is completely void. He's um, a disaster. He's a disaster, especially around the rich. He cannot interact with them in any way that is not completely awkward. Um, but he is really good at self-preservation. So he, while he's doing this, while he's kind of shredding while the he's documents, shredding. he's kind of saying to himself, like, put this one away and I'll be okay. Throw this one away and save the day, you know? Like... <laughs> It's like he's keeping back documents that he thinks he could use later in order to save his bacon if he yeah, needs to. to save his bacon. And he because he doesn't trust Tom. No, he doesn't trust Tom. Tom though, does trust Greg. Weirdly. Yes, he does. Oh, he really poor does. Which naive creates, Tom. which creates just the most glorious character dynamic ever. So, uh, so yeah, he has this evidence, right? Against. Of Logan Roy and all of Waystar Royco doing bad things and covering well, up stuff on the cruise. Well, not necessarily personally. He Logan does Roy. have Logan Roy. They have signatures on it, as we find oh, yeah, out yeah, later. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. but like, but Logan Roy personally didn't like do any of the murders. Right? No, no, he didn't do the murders, but he knew but about it. He covered it, it up. Yeah. And Greg now has evidence that Logan Roy knew about it to so, save himself. To save himself, because he signed off on taking out these files. Because Tom was completely and willing to throw Greg under the bus for this. So you see, T Greg though, he's not happy being Tom's subordinate. He's tired of all the abuse. He's tired of Tom doing these things to him and treating him with disdain so and kind of when, abusively. So we're going to talk about this very particular scene, the water bottle scene that is glorious. So but, glorious. But wait on the water bottle scene because he actually goes to. Tom and says, hey, I've got these documents and I think like I need to move up and I need some more opportunities or whatever. And Tom is, he kind of thinks it's funny. He's like, oh, Greg, yeah. good, yeah. For you. good for you. You're learning how to be You're cutthroat. learning how to be cutthroat. But he also wants him to burn these documents. So at one point, 
um, Tom and Greg go out on, you know, Tom, Tom actually spends the night at Greg's house to make sure that he's going to burn these documents. And he thinks Greg burns all of them, but Greg still stuffs a couple down his trousers and keeps them. Um, yeah. So anyway, Greg is wanting to get out from under Tom's thumb. And this comes to a head. No, especially because uh, Tom is moved to the division of the company that runs the atn it's like ATN. the thinly veiled fox, fox news and yeah. greg is morally against atn he's so he kind of like kind of meekly is saying to tom throughout the entire time that they're working at atn together because of course he brought greg with them he's kind of meekly telling him oh tom you know I, he kind of talks like that it's like oh tom like i don't know like they just like they're like super morally corrupt and they say all this like fake stuff and like morally i just don't think that i can work here um but it all comes to a head so like so greg already has like kind of some like reservations of working at thinly veiled fox news which like who wouldn't um well tom doesn't but you know <laughs> well even tom um, does sometimes yeah sometimes yeah. tom's like uh, yeah um because yeah whatever so tom uh this all comes to a head, of course, this kind of this power dynamic uh, comes to kind of a head. Um, when there's an active shooter in the building, an active shooter in the building. And Tom, hilariously, Tom is kind of angry because he's in the worst uh He's in the Bomb worst panic. It's a panic, panic room. Panic room. <laughs> the Roy family inner circle in a are in a really nice, nice. and secure panic room. So yeah, he's like he's like so he's like calling Shiv and he's like I'm in the panic room and she's like No, you're not. She's like There's a nicer panic room. It's, I need to be in the nicer panic room. <laughs> it's so funny, but it, it's it's a great analogy too for how the family sees Tom. He's like, not you're in the subpar panic room. You're in the, the subpar snacks. Yeah. But anyway, Greg uh, is in there with him. Greg is in there with him. And Greg, during this active shooter situation, he kind of goes up to him and he's like, hey, Tom, I think. And he really says it to him clearly this time, like the other few times he hasn't really. And he kind of says to him, hey, Tom, you know, I really think that I should move my separate ways. I don't think that I'm really growing um, as your assistant. <laughs> I really think that I'd rather be in another division of the company, you know, and he's like, well, I can still like come and kind of work for you a little, but like, you know, it'll be kind of more of like an open relationship. And he uses that word open relationship. And of course that is a trigger word for Tom because Shiv, Shiv. because Shiv on their wedding night, um, Said said she wanted that. She wanted an open relationship. And he couldn't and say anything. Tom, because he can abuse Greg in a way that he cannot, uh, in, in a way that he cannot, like, go up against his or wife. challenge Shiv, he takes out all his anger on him in a hilarious scene. So he turns around and he starts pelting Greg with plastic water bottles while yelling at him. Uh, and it's really, really funny. Um, about him leaving him. He's like, how dare you, Greg? How dare you? I made you who you are. It's just so funny. Uh, you can watch it on YouTube probably. It's really funny. Worth watching. Even if you, it's completely out of context. You, but it's still hilarious. It's really funny. Um, and Matthew McFadden is the guy who plays um, Tom. And, and he's Mr. like, Darcy. Mr. Darcy from the uh, 2005. 2005 Pride and Prejudice. Yeah. Like, no relationship between those two characters yeah at it's all. it's so weird seeing him in such a different context but he's really amazing he is he so disappears funny. into this i mean all of them do really the acting is great i mean really exemplified by just like the sheer amount of improvisation apparently that the actors did like a lot of the second season apparently is improvised just because the actors know these characters so well at this point I mean, that really goes to show the kind of main crux of this show is like on the shoulders of these characters. And the actors. So kudos to all of them. So anyway, Greg and Tom, Greg and I think Tom. we've explained them and well, their yeah, particular like, I mean, but interesting dynamic. One more thing about Greg and Tom before we move on to last but not death. I do think Tom least. somewhere down deep does have like some feelings for Greg. Well, yeah. Maybe. Well, I think, I mean, I don't know. I think it's complicated. It's definitely a, a interesting relationship and an interesting dynamic. 
But like even after even after that kind of breakup in some ways, Tom still protects Greg. He does. He does genuinely. There's a couple moments in the show which we're not going to maybe talk about. Where he could choose to sabotage Greg, but he chooses not to. Yeah. So he part of him does genuinely care care about him as like a friend, which you really don't expect from the beginning. From the beginning, you know, he calls himself Greg's friend, but you kind of just think that's just to manipulate this guy. But there were a couple. There are a couple instances where he kind of throws himself under the bus. For to Greg's. save Greg, yeah. For Greg's sake. Yeah. So anyway, let's move on to the heir apparent in season one and probably the most interesting character on the show. Yeah, Kendall we could do an Roy. entire episode on this We guy, really could. Jeremy Strong plays Kendall Roy and he is amazing. Amazing. So good. This. So good. He makes me feel things like crazy, crazy, sad things. But when you first meet him, like you in the are pilot? in the pilot, you feel like you have no sympathy for him because he's listening. He's in this limousine. He's this incredibly wealthy guy. He's a douche, you know. He's yeah. kind of like he like super thinks that he's cool, but he's not cool. He's, he thinks that he's like this young upstart CEO, but he has like all the privilege in the world. Like he's just like you just see right through this guy. He is so douchey and like just just a terrible person. And then throughout the show, something absolutely crazy happens, and that you start to feel really bad for him and really emotionally invested in his success right and so you find out you're introduced to him as this entirely unpleasant person but then over time you find out things like he's a recovering addict he's desperately wanting his dad's approval he desperately wants to do right by the company and and do a good job and you realize that he actually has a moral compass which ladies and gentlemen. almost no one else on the show does <laughs> ladies and gentlemen give this man a round of applause because seriously it's like he's like one of the only characters with a moral compass like a genuine moral compass like a genuine sense of right and wrong and a genuine sense of guilt yeah yeah so he in the first season his arc is he is trying to because his father has a scare with his health yes and he's trying to get back together with his wife and he is he's basically running the company while his dad is recovering but his dad really doesn't um trust him and doesn't feel like he's ready doesn't want him to 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 be in charge and so what he um and and so Kendall he really feels strongly like his dad has lost it and is making a bunch of bad decisions and he then gets with his friend Stewie and this other guy who's the COO of the company in the first season, Frank Vernon, and kind of plots a coup, plots to take over the company. And he thinks he has Roman on board. He thinks he has Jerry on board. He thinks he has a lot of the board on board with this plan. Um, Unfortunately, traffic sets him off. Traffic makes it so he can't get to this board meeting on time and he's running through the streets trying to get there. just so bad from like I can't even describe like from the first episode like because you just see how hard he's trying to do this and how much he believes in what he's doing and how much he believes what he's doing is the right thing and how much he sacrificed to do this and how wrong this could go if it does go wrong so you're feeling all these things for him and it fails of course he can't get there on time roman and caves roman other caves people because cave. logan is terrifying he's really scary so a bunch of people cave um and the takeover isn't successful and the takeover isn't successful and kendall fired loses his job you know what he's been working for for all these years and so it's all gone it's all gone and so then what happens is is his dad plants stories that he's back on drugs, which he isn't back on drugs. And his ex-wife who he's trying or his wife who he's separated from at this point, who he's trying to get back together with, um, she believes it. 
Yeah. And, and so he's just like, well, whatever, if she believes it, then I might as well be back on drugs. So then he totally falls off the wagon. And then you see that like his His family family actually do care about him because Roman goes and gets him from a drug house. His father's just like, he you sends know, Greg sends with him Greg to places to make sure, to make he, sure doesn't he doesn't die because he's yeah. really concerned about him. And so his addiction problems and his desire to take over the company only solidify in the second half of the second the first of the season. first season, excuse yeah. me, where he kind of gets together this hostile takeover bid with Stewie, who he kind of worked with before. And they get together this hostile takeover bid. They're going to do it. They have this other guy who's like Logan Roy's enemy on board with it. And he's going to announce this at Siobhan's wedding. He doesn't want to, but they're kind of put into a situation where they have to do this. Where they have to do it as soon as possible. And so he's still like, on cocaine and like doing all these kind of things that are bad for him. But he's really, he's actually got a pretty airtight prospect of doing this hostile takeover, but his addiction gets in the way. Yep. And so in a heartbreaking, heartbreaking scene. scene, Well, basically uh, he, he's just like kind of announced to his dad that he's going to be doing this hostile takeover. He goes outside. He doesn't have any Coke on him. So he's trying to find some Coke. He kind of um, finds this worker who's working at the at Shiv's wedding. Who's like He's a, a waiter. Caterer. He's a, a caterer, waiter, waiter, something like that. Uh, he asks this guy if he can get him some drugs. Uh, they kind of drive off together. They do, I think, probably ketamine together. They like some snort something. I don't know. Um, so they're both kind of high. Uh, and he's like, this isn't cocaine. And he's like, do you want cocaine? He's like, yeah. And so he's like, take me to the guy that you know who has cocaine. So the guy's like, all right. And so they're driving along this like kind of slim uh, English road. (laughs) The the wedding's in England. And um, a deer jumps out. A deer jumps out. Kendall swerves the car into a body of water water and uh, tries to save the kid. Doesn't successfully save the kid. Swims to shore himself, watches the car sink into the water, and the kid dies. Uh, he dies. And then Kendall has to walk all the way back to Shiv's wedding, just kind of processing, like, and you just, you kind of follow his face. And there's this, like, death march in the background with the music. We'll talk about the music at the end, but it's so heartbreaking. You just, like, this look on his face is just so like just heart-wrenching it's because he knows how badly he's effed up and he goes back to the house he kind of cleans himself off uh in the bath he gets dressed in a different suit he goes back to the wedding and he dances with his family for like one last time yeah and and it's it's this whitney houston song i want to dance with somebody and so and he has this moment of like of real real joy joy. and you think if you could just let go of this desire for for power power, that you could have this yeah you could have you could have this and your family relationship with your family genuinely love you but you can't do that because you are i mean because this the kind of his desire for power just does terrible, terrible things to him. It does terrible it's things to him. It's unhealthy for him. It's very and unhealthy. Trying to please his father is unhealthy for him in particular. Yeah. Well, because um, his father is a morally corrupting influence. And like we said, because Kendall is has a moral compass, he literally he's he's like not a good CEO at all. He he's makes not bad sociopathic enough because he's not sociopathic enough. But anyway, let's talk about the consequences. So <laughs> the next morning, Kendall goes to breakfast. He thinks, baby, I've gotten away with it. And then his dad calls him in. Um, and so he goes to see his dad and his dad basically his dad was actually before this happened, before Kendall screwed up, Logan was screwed. The, the hostile takeover bid would have worked. It, it would have gone through and Kendall would have been in charge. But because Kendall did this, because the drugs got in the way. Well, and because like just 
yeah the vying for power is always a bad thing in the show it is it's never works out well and so because he was striving for power he screwed up and so now logan has it over his son and so logan calls him in and he's genuinely like sweet and compassionate to him he's just like i'm gonna take care of this it's going to go away. I know what you did because they found the key. They found the car and they found the, his like room key. room key. So they know he was in there and they know he was driving because the other guy was in the passenger side. And he's like, we're going to take care of this. He's like, but you have to back off and not do this hostile takeover bid. And as Kendall is listening to his dad saying this, he just starts to cry because he knows it's all over. And then Logan says to him, embraces him and says, you know, come here, come here. I'll take care of everything. You're my best boy. You're my best boy. And he just hugs his father. And And he hugs his father and dissolves in tears. And And Emma and I, we were crying when we watched this because it was, you felt so badly because so badly for Kendall because so he he was getting this affection from his father, but at the very moment where his father completely had subjugated him. So Kendall spends the whole first part of season two just being his dad's lapdog, being the public face of stuff, going out and saying, and oh, I made a mistake. It's My honestly, dad has the best plan. And it's honestly easier for him to do morally cor- corrupt in, uh, morally corrupt things in that kind of lapdog situation because he doesn't have to feel like he's the one responsible. So he does like some really mean, evil things when he's Logan's lapdog just because he can like say, my father asked me to, and he doesn't have to like feel the guilt for it himself because like I said before, he wouldn't be a good CEO because he has morality. Yeah. Um, and so his arc in season two is moving from this place of subordination to his father and being his dad's lapdog to just like reaching a breaking point with kind of how much his how father much can, can ask take. him to do. Yeah. And so there's a couple of kind of precipitating incidents. One is where his dad, in kind of a very cruel moment, asks him to go with him to the house of the kid who died um, because they're saying that Logan was like abusive to this caterer at the wedding, which he was, and that made him sad. And then that made him drive off the road because they don't know that, of course, Kendall was in the car with him. And so, you know, Logan Roy is going to go visit the house and apologize to the family or whatever. And he makes Kendall come with him. And he doesn't let Kendall really interact with the family. He makes Kendall come into the house, but stay in the kitchen. And Kendall is desperate to make amends and to atone. He wants to talk to them. He feels so guilty. Yeah. And he just wants, and he's just kind of confronted with, he's being forced. I mean, I honestly think that like Logan thought that was like a super bomb parenting move. I think you're right. He was like, he was like accountability, accountability for your actions, Ken. But Ken just, that was not the right move. It was also just cruel. He enjoyed being cruel to him. Yeah. yeah, I think he did. I don't know. It's complicated. So anyway, and he, he goes and he feels so bad and he later goes back. Kendall does and slips some money through their mail slot because he just, he couldn't say sorry in person, but he just wanted to do something, anything to make himself feel better. The final episode of the season, though, all of this comes to a head and it comes to a head in this episode on this lavish yacht. The takeover bid, the hostile takeover bid was damaged by the whole thing with Kendall, but it didn't kind of completely go away. So they're very concerned that this takeover bid is actually going to happen. Um, all the scandal about the cruise line has just come out. Their stock is tanking. They were hauled before Congress um, to to be in these hearings about their malfeasance and their bad behavior with the cruise line. So Waystar Royco is in big, big trouble by the end of season two. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it looks like this hostile takeover might be viable. So 
they're all on this yacht and it kind of comes down to someone has to take the fall for this cruise line situation in and an attempt course, to salvage everyone things. Everyone on the yacht is a person that this could happen to, right? Yep. And so Logan kind of toys with each of them in turn, like which one is going to be the Well, and sacrifice. they all toy with each other as well. Like Rome is such an a-hole because the kids all feel like they're safe. Yeah. Yeah. Jerry is a big contender at one point. And Rome freaks out. Roman tries to defend her because he really does care about her. Um, so anyway, uh, it finally comes down to the choice. And it, and it seems as if Ken. it's going to be Kendall. And so it's like, how far will Kendall go? And Kendall feels like, okay, Maybe I this. deserve this. I deserve, I deserve to, go to, to go to jail. Yeah. I killed this poor guy, and yeah. you know, because of what happened on, on that night in the car, and it was covered up. So I deserve to pay. Mm -hmm. So he's willing to take the, the fall. fall. But his dad says um, to him because he's he's kind of concerned about. He's like he's like I just feel so guilty, and I want to atone for this. I want to atone for everything I've done. I'll take the fall for this company. And his dad's like, you shouldn't feel guilty because these aren't real people. All right. Just think about it that way, Ken. They're that not it's real not people. real people. And, and that's RP. the same thing that they talked about with the all the women, the, all the women who, who had were, been sexually harassed and paid off and killed that they weren't they were NRP. They're not real people. And so Kendall just you don't really kind of know what's happening, but he goes and embraces his father and, and gives kisses him, him a kiss on the cheek. And we were like, Ooh, is this a Judas kiss? Judas What's kiss. going on? So then the next scene. The next scene. So it's it's the press conference. The last well, Kendall time, and Greg are together. And you're yeah, like, why? Yeah, why right. are Kendall and Greg together? So yeah, yeah, you see them like on this plane together and Greg and and Greg's with Ken. And you're like, why is Greg here? Does he just need like a, an emotional support, Greg? You know? Yeah. I mean, he's but but then there's a press conference and oh oh and the other thing the, uh, well i have to say the other thing that kind of turns kendall i think in this crucial way is his dad said kendall's like i just have to know do you think i ever had what it took to be CEO. to be ceo and his dad says no no sweet boy basically you <laughs> sweet summer childs no you don't have what it takes you don't have that killer instinct yeah that's what he says to him yeah so it's kind of two things i think that kind of make kendall start to and think so about his then, life choices then that at the press conference which is very much mirroring the press conference at the beginning of the season. It, the season pretty much starts and ends with a press conference with Kendall. Um, in the beginning of the season, he's his father's lap dog. He'll, dog, he'll do whatever he tells him to. Um, at the end, though, in a glorious scene, you think he's going to... You don't know what's going to happen. You think he might just capitulate and take the fall for his dad. But he doesn't. And he says to this like crowd of reporters, my father's a liar. My father covered up all this stuff. Uh, he knows everything that happened. They all lied about it. They destroyed the evidence. He is a toxic presence. He is a toxic presence at the company. Uh, he's a dangerous person. Um, I have evidence here. The camera pans over to Greg, who has the files in his hand, all those like files that he shoved in his pants that he didn't burn with Tom. Um, he is he like it's just so glorious. It's so, like I have evidence so, that Logan Roy knew about everything. And yeah, that he signed all these documents. And it's so glorious. So the season ends with a Ken and Greg team up. Yeah. And it also ends with uh, Logan Roy smiling to himself. Yeah. Little. He's like, like weirdly Rome, proud. Rome comes into of, the, of course, son. of course, he's going to try to destroy him in the next season. Oh, yeah. He's going to totally go for the in juggler. that moment, in that moment, he showed a bit of killer instinct. And Logan respects that in a terrible way. Um, so, yeah, that succession. It's lovely. 
Oh, well, it's not lovely. It's painful. It's so hard to watch. It's super cringy. It's super. Yeah, it's but it's great. But it's so good. <laughs> I, I think we both agree that it's one of the best series that we've watched recently. Totally. It is amazing. Yeah. Um, before we sign off really fast, I wanted to talk about the music in the show because it's such a big part of it. So. So the opening theme, which we mangled at the very beginning of this, that was terrible, yeah, <laughs> of this podcast, um, it is it is it's iconic, genuinely an amazing thing. So it's basically like this mashup of baroque almost. It sounds like almost like a Bach fugue subject or something. It's like a Bach a Bach theme, um, and coupled with a trap beat. So it's like both. Got the signifier of high culture almost with this kind of like, um, you know, you think about kind of uh, pop stars or whatever having this sort of opulence or whatever. Yeah, so it's like, like fake wealth, like showing off, like, um, yeah, like opulence. Yeah, yeah <laughs> opulence. Yeah. Opulence, like new richness. Yeah. I, yeah. And actually, the Waystar, that is like a theme too in the second season that the 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 logan roy is yes, logan new money roy. and in some and, ways, and insane. he's new money and like he comes into contact and a little bit of the show with some old money and they really do look down his nose their nose at him yeah they're like better educated they're like you know yeah they kind snooty, of like, quote shakespeare which like oh. irritates them irritates the roy family and you whatever know, if you're from the new england area you're just kind of like huh. <laughs> it's like oh my god yeah. it's cringe. yeah so in any case um it, it is the music is brilliant and the, basically all of it, nicholas Bertel is the composer and all of the soundtrack seems to be at least to my ears spun out from like the thematic the material theme, that's yeah. established in the main theme that which goes over the opening credits. So like there's a dirge version, there's other there's various versions that establish, but it's like it's theme and variations. And so it's just this really cohesive thing, but it's just so perfect as the underpinning for this show. I mean Yeah, because it's just hats all off these, to Nicholas Bertella. All a these like score. disparate parts like kind of falling over each other and counterpoint. Like, yeah. Counterpoint. Yeah, it's it's great. It is it is delicious. So I would say we heartily endorse succession. It's on HBO Max. H HBO Max. We hope that there's many more seasons. Yeah. Season three dropping this fall. Apparently, it took them longer to film because of all of the COVID. Let's see what Greg and uh, Greg the Egg and uh, Ken Kendall's do. team up. What I'm happens? So excited! I'm very excited too. All right, bye. Later, bye.